It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast in which we're going to be looking ahead to the stories and events that will be making and even shaping the news in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. So that means we'll be talking about consumer spending, budgets and trade partnerships in the world's largest economy. And back home, we'll be hearing from a pair of supermarkets as well as updates from the transport sector. That's in the shape of First Group and Flybe. I'm joined by Alexandra Freen, who's on the line from Washington. Richard Fletcher, the Times business editor, and Robert Lee, our industrial editor. A warm welcome to you all. And uh, Alex in Washington, if I could start with you, we've got some consumer spending numbers. What are they going to tell us? Well, hello, everybody. The consumer spending numbers are really important in the United States because they account for two-thirds of U.S. economic output. And right now, they're pretty dismal. Um, spending is, is just not going up. Wages are inching up a tiny bit, but consumer spending is flat in just about every area apart from cars and trucks. People are uh, um, really happy about the low petrol price, and they're buying more cars and they're buying bigger cars, but in all other areas, they're not really spending. In fact, they're putting their money uh, away in their bank accounts. The saving rates are going up month on month. And of course, that's absolutely vital, isn't it? Was it two-thirds of economic output, as you've often told us, is, in fact, the US economy? Yes, I mean, it's a bit of a puzzle to everyone. I guess people are just very nervous. And what they need to see is further jobs growth before they're, they're willing to go out and spend. And we'll get the, the big jobs numbers tomorrow, Friday. They're, they're expected to be pretty positive, so that might help bump up con- consumer confidence. Alex, moving on, we've got a Treasury statement on the budget. Is that like our budget, or is it something entirely different? It, it's a completely different process here in the States. They, they put out a monthly budget uh, uh, treasury statement every month. People don't pay very much attention to it. What they do pay attention to are the individual appropriations bills for uh, different government departments. Uh, The Senate and Congress have agreed uh, their treasury budget for the year. The problem is that that process doesn't have anything to do with the White House. So going forward over the summer, we're going to see lots of battles between the White House and the different appropriations committees in different departments wrangling over spending. If they've got any sense, they'll make an agreement early in the summer. Otherwise, we'll get to the end of the U.S. fiscal year in October and we'll face yet another threat of a government shutdown where the White House and Congress just can't agree on levels of spending cuts. And how likely do you think that is, Alex? I hope they will avoid it um, this year. Um, I think that... uh, 
it damaged the Republicans so badly a couple of years ago when, when the government was shut down um, for nearly three weeks. It, it was really seen as a bad thing for, for the Republican Party. It, re, it reflected worse on them than on the Democrats. And, um, you know, with, with the election coming up, it's still 16 months away, but that's, that's pretty short in, in the U.S. electoral cycle. I just don't think they'll they'll want to risk that this time. I suppose at the bottom, at the end of the day, we always come back to this question of interest rates, don't you? What we've been talking about so far, are there any indications that September is becoming a much firmer month for the first rise in, in US rates? Well, I would actually say far from it because we've, we've just had the, um, this week the uh, International Monetary Fund uh, put out a warning to the states saying don't raise interest rates until the first half of 2016. A number of economists had been focusing on either September or December as the liftoff date. But here we have the IMF saying, no, don't go there. Just wait a bit more until we see greater signs of wage inflation. So nobody knows, really. That has just introduced yet another level of uncertainty. What about this uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, this trade deal that we keep hearing about? I mean, when are we going to get more substance to it? And is it likely to happen? That's going to be the big battle of the summer. It's, it's a very controversial issue. This is a trade pact that the United States is trying to pull together with 11 other Pacific Rim countries. This is part of Obama's big pivot towards Asia and away from Europe. Um, it's very, very controversial and very divisive. And um, the president is having difficulty persuading people in his own party to sign up to it, um, largely because all the negotiations have taken place in secret, so nobody actually knows what's in it. It's a hugely political issue here in the UK, Alex. If you, if you listen to some of the sort of um, left-wing lobbyists, uh, if we sign this, McDonald's will be running the um, catering of the NHS before we know it. Is, is it as, has it proved as controversial in the States and, and elsewhere? Yes, yes, it has. I mean... For different reasons, I mean, there's two different trade agreements. There's the TPP, the Pacific one, and when if that goes through, then there'll be the, the TTIP, the one with the EU, and that's where you're getting these debates about McDonald's. The, the debates here are people in America don't really care if McDonald's gets to run catering in the U.S. What they see it as is exporting U.S. jobs overseas to low-labor countries, and that's, that's the big fear. And they're also worried... U.S. regulations are, in consumer regulations, are in many respects a lot more lax than they are in Europe. So they're worried that they're going to have to do stricter standards, you know, particularly in foodstuffs. Um, you know, most food in America has got GM uh, products in it, most processed food. And, and so they're, they're worried on the regulatory front and that they're going to lose jobs. All right, thanks for that, Alex. You sit tight there. We're going to be coming back and talking to you about buses in a minute. But keeping on the subject of food, Richard, here close to home, we've got trading updates from Tesco's and Sainsbury's. Is there likely to be any improvement in either? No, no, brace yourselves for lots of headlines about the death of the supermarket and the rise of the discount retailer. I mean, both are expected to be pretty miserable. Um, uh, but, but some people believe Sainsbury's will sort of report a like-for-like fall of 1.8% and... and uh, Tesco could be as much as 2% here in the UK falling like for like sales. Um, the question really is, 
have we seen a structural change in the way people shop or have uh, our big four supermarkets simply taken their eye off the ball and as they get back in the game and as we are all are slightly better off do we desert Audi and Lidl and Poundland and return to return to the likes of Sainsbury's and Tesco and, and, and that's the key to whether we see recovery among the supermarkets and you know one quarter's uh, trading update is unlikely to give us the answer to that question. In terms of Tesco of course they've got perhaps many more problems if you like off the shelves haven't they they've got a serious fraud office investigation how much of that is affecting the share price do you think in terms of people say well actually better to avoid it well we've seen some recovery in the share prices of of of, of the supermarket since the start of the year they obviously had a terrible time uh, last year and tesco was particularly badly hit as we saw the exit of phil clark and we saw revelation after revelation um the question for tesco is is whether it's going to have to do a rights issue which parts of the business it's going to sell um and until that point we're, we're, you're going to see a, a, a volatile share price um, but we have seen some recovery in 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 all of the supermarket share prices in in recent months is it the case that you mentioned there about the shift in the fundamental shift in people's shopping habits? But isn't the fact is there's just much more choice now, and it's going to be so hard for and any of these big four, if you like, to get back to where they were. What they're doing is marking time. I think we've seen two structural changes. So we've seen the death of the sort of weekly shop. We've returned to doing uh, convenience. Uh, top-up shopping that maybe we did 30 or 40 years ago whereas we had started to just do one big shop a week and we've also seen the rise not just of Audi and Lidl but also of, of other discounters the BMNs the Pound Lounge which although they are known for uh, non-food they also do sell a lot of stuff that that supermarkets sell so toiletries and they sell some food, limited food lines and that's also hit the supermarket so you've seen two changes really and the question I suppose is one uh, we're probably you know do we see a return to that weekly shop do people stop shopping around quite so much and, and two do people sort of desert the discounters as we see an economic recovery Bob are you an online man or are you still the weekly shop man oh I'm a bit of both actually I was quite interested to find out uh, what Richard's uh, shopping habits how Richard's uh, shopping habits have changed over the uh, last year or so <laughs> uh, it's 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 a it's a weekly um it's a weekly delivery from uh, from tesco oh, uh, monday morning seven o'clock in the morning no i i actually go weekly shop to the supermarket good for you but there is as, as richard said there's an element of, of, of topping up there. were you expecting a sort of a cardo delivery bob is that uh, your... very much so actually yeah oh well send it round to my place then uh, looking at the transport sector bob uh, an area I know that you're an expert in. I mean, first of all, Flybe, a small regional airline, can it continue to exist? It's an interesting airline. Um, they fly these uh, turboprops around uh, Britain and Ireland and into Western Europe. It's sort of uh, family and friends visiting, people going to their second homes. Can it continue to exist? Every time it's doing quite well, every time it finds a route that um, it's getting a lot of passengers onto, uh, the big boys go onto EasyJet, Ryanair, so it's got those issues. Shareholders, investors, I'm not sure, totally believe the story. Its shares are trading at a fraction of where they floated three or four years ago, um, and the shares have come off, um, they've halved since Christmas. Running an airline is all about keeping your costs down. Uh, their problem is that they've got a whole load of uh, fancy Embraer jets sitting on a tarmac somewhere, just not not flying and um, hemorrhaging costs. Well, I know Alex is on the line listening to because the next one up is First Group, obviously well-known here as a bus and transport group. I mean, what's the overview, first of all? First Group is... Uh, Shares have been mired at lows for quite some time. They had a big rights issue a couple of years ago to try and pay down the debt that they, uh, uh, that they took on when they uh, bought 
two billion pound business called Laidlaw in the US, which was yellow buses and greyhound buses. That's a business which hasn't really uh, worked for them. Uh, in the UK, they've been losing train franchises. They've pulled out of the London bus market, the biggest bus market in the country. And people are beginning to wonder what the future of this business is. Should it actually be split up? Alex, uh, if I can bring you in here, you're, you're a consumer. You've seen that you've lived in the United States for a while. Uh, is, is Greyhound bus still a popular mode of transport? I think the, the problem it faces is that it's just got so much increased competition now from... Um, slightly nicer uh, services that offer better vehicles and uh, cheaper fares. So there's a lot of competition and that's really, it's seen as being at the bottom end of the market. So it, it's really struggling against companies that are offering very competitive fares in nicer vehicles. Okay, Bob. It's funny, some of that competition is actually coming from this side of the pond. Um, it's Megabus, Stagecoach, uh, first groups, um, great rivals in the UK and in Scotland. So you mean the British have finally found a sector, Alex, that they might thrive in? They've tried supermarket and banking with not many good results. Is this going to be, do you think, a success or is it just really out of kilter? No, I, I mean, Megabus is a huge, uh, hugely popular here. I, you know, I see their buses go past me all the time on, on the interstate. You can, you can get a $1 fare to New York sometimes. So they, they, they've really um, made themselves very popular. Should we be sending you on that $1 fare to New York the next time we send you down to New York, Alex? I warned you about this, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely fine by me. They, they actually get there faster than I can drive there. I don't know how they do it. Of course, Richard uses their first group's buses all the time in, uh, in South London. Well, I commute weekly <laughs> on them. They've had that franchise for a long time. Yeah. And uh, is it profit? I mean, these, these franchises, now that they're under such scrutiny over here, do you think that it's almost not worth doing it anymore because the costs and the regulatory hurdles are so high. It's interesting some people are taking that view. National Express, for instance, is uh, going to Germany to find uh, some new business. Go Ahead's doing exactly the same thing. Stagecoach is having a terrific run at the moment, winning franchises every time it bids. Uh, First Group hasn't been winning their franchises. Sometimes it's about the people who are actually uh, doing the bids. Alex, if I could just uh, perhaps wrap up with you. In terms of the companies that report over here, so many of the FTSE 100 companies now have a US-facing part of the business. So presumably the FTSE 100 results and some of the bigger companies are keenly watched over there on Wall Street. Well, they, they are, but um, I mean, the, the big thing that everyone's watching right now, though, is, is how the stronger dollar is impacting on... Um, everybody's results where there are international businesses. So, you know, when you've, when you've got a company where some of its earnings are coming from abroad and they're, they're bringing the money back into the United States, it's it hit um, everybody across the board. So that's really a, a big worry. And, you know, I think they're looking uh, at British companies, at FTSE companies, quite jealously and saying, well, they're, they're not suffering in the way that we are from having the stronger dollar. All right, well, thank you for that, Alex. And uh, you can check out, of course, all those results and the latest breaking stories as they happen on our Business Now live blog. That's on the business page of our website, and it comes in a pop-out form now, making it much easier to read. And don't forget, Time subscribers can also sign up to our daily and morning uh, lunchtime emails. That's to keep you up to date with all the news on the move. And if you don't have a subscription, it costs a special offer, £1. Go to times.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Alexandra Freen, Robert Lee and Richard Fletcher and you can follow them all on Twitter we'll be back next week thanks for listening thank you for downloading to discover more head to thetimes.co.uk imagine 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.